Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning and welcome to Second Wind. As usual, it's another great day and I'm excited about my guest today. Our focus is going to be on, you know, your recognizing your creative talents and the passions that you have to build a business that makes an impact in the world. Now, one of the things that I so wanted Second Wind to reflect was not only the business, the world that you may have to face now through the change that you've just gone through, but to realize those talents and, and passions that you have are so unique to you. And they're so important in creating the life that you can really shine at. I like to call it your genius. I like everybody to work in their genius, which means you're working at your, your best, your peak of what you were meant to be when you came to earth. So anyway, our guest today is really going to support that, that fact for you as she shares her transition with us. So our guest is Kara Andretta. Kara is a cake and sugar art instructor who teaches in person and on the Internet. She is a business and life coach. She has appeared in multiple magazines and is the creative chaos behind Kara Couture Cakes blog and Pro Cake University, the professional learning place for all things cake. Kara coaches home-based cake decorators to build thriving, profitable businesses with balanced and abundant lives. In a previous life, she studied to be a fine arts teacher for school-aged children. She is a two-time graduate of the Culinary Institute of America. Woohoo! I love that, Kara. And former intern with Ron Ben Israel Cakes in New York City. She currently resides in her hometown of Buffalo, New York, where she lives with her husband and three boys. She homeschools in her spare time. I don't know where she finds the time, but she does. And she is an average knitter, lover of all things food science, and a Harry Potter nerd. So welcome, Kara. We're anxious to hear what you've got to say. (laughs) Good morning, Joy. Thank you. I want to know how you created that. Where did you get your love of, of baking? And you're so in desserts with, with cakes. Do you do all desserts or just cakes? Cakes. 
Uh, well, I'm trained to do all desserts and I'm capable <laughs> of it. Um, but cakes were really kind of my passion. Um, I pursued my degree at the Culinary Institute at uh, beginning at 29 years old. Um, mm-hmm. And I decided to go towards the baking side because my mother was a terrible cook. And I know that sounds horrible. Oh, how interesting. But she was really good at desserts. And so all of our holidays were kind of, the, the nostalgia was pinpointed around the desserts and the sweets and treats that we had. And so I realized that the sweet side is where, you know, you can make a great asabuco for dinner. Nobody's going to remember that, but you give them a really wowza dessert or cake. They're going to talk about that for years and it's going to bring back all those memories flooding. So my art has simply transformed into food. Oh, I, well, I'm just impressed with all that you've done in, 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 did you front know from a very early age that you wanted to do this, or how did it develop? You know, it didn't develop until after I had my first son. I really did want to teach art because fine arts uh-huh. is my background. And uh-huh. then I had my son, and first son, and then, of course, like the majority of women who get into caking do, they simply want to make something really great for their first kids. We all have a very similar <laughs> origin story. And right. so I tried mimicking some of the other cake decorators I saw on Food Network. And being an artist, I kind of had a, you know, a knack at it. And uh, uh-huh. someone said, hey, why don't you open a business? I said, no, I don't know anything about the business <laughs> side of this. We're the foundations of, of baking. I said, well, uh-huh. why don't you go back to school for it? And I was like, oh, well, that's an interesting <laughs> idea. <laughs> So with a, did you have one or two children at that time when you went, you went to the culinary, you said at age 29? Yes, I had two boys at that time and we lived in Buffalo, New York. Uh, Uh And so at 28, I was literally on a whim. um, I threw an application into the Culinary Institute and a couple other culinary schools. Uh But the Culinary Institute is only 45 minutes north of where my husband grew up, of the house he grew up in, and and they accepted me, and we said, okay, well, let's figure this out, let's make it happen, and within about eight months, we moved uh, just north of New York City and Mm -hmm. lived with his mom, uh, and I went back to school. Oh, that's amazing. Most people, I think a lot of people would say, Well, you know, I'm 28. I have two boys. I I can't do that. So what was it that really, I know you had second thoughts. I know you had some, well, can I do this? Uh, What was the thing that gave you the support that you needed to move on or to really take advantage of this opportunity? Well, my husband and I were kind of in a dead-end place. We were living in a 600-square-foot apartment, mm. and there was no end in sight because both of our jobs had very low glass ceilings over our heads. Oh, and yeah. because of the cost of child care and not having other support to lean on, uh, we, were, we, were, we were looking down the lens of a very long life living exactly as we were. And that was no longer acceptable. So the idea of dropping my salary at the time, I was 60% of our income. The idea of dropping my salary to do that was terrifying, but Uh we knew it was temporary. We had the support of his family downstate. And without all the overhead costs of living um, by moving in with his mom, um, Mm -hmm. it made it palatable uh, to make that bigger sacrifice for a longer-term 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, applaud, applaud, applaud that you had that courage to make that decision because that's quite a commitment. You know, you have time away from the kids. You have, I mean, I I can just, as a mother, I can think of all these things already in my mind, much less in your mind. Absolutely. I I calmed my mind and I calmed my anxiety um, knowing that what I was living out Mm-hmm. in front of my children with the, making a big decision to better my life, go back to school at a difficult time and make sacrifices for a greater life in the future. I knew that was an incredible lesson um, to live out mm-hmm. in front of them. So that was that in and of itself was comfort to me and made, mm-hmm. you know, all the sacrifices we we're making um, easier to get through when we had those moments of, Oh my gosh, what did we just do? Yeah. So what was your vision? Did you, what was the grander vision? Have you lived beyond that? Because certainly you've done really great stuff with your life since the culinary. You've just progressed and progressed. So what was your original vision? My original vision was to go to the culinary, get a degree in baking and pastry arts, um, Mm -hmm. just the AOS, which is purely the, the kitchen portion. Mm-hmm. learning the physical skills, and opening up a small retail bakery back in Buffalo and doing, you know, the fun cakes behind the scenes as well. And uh-huh. so this was my idea. And then at the very, within the last four weeks of my AOS portion of my degree, um, I talked with a very, um, a very strongly opinionated, but for good reason, um, fierce believer in people thinking outside the box, one of my chef mm-hmm. instructors, Francisco Magoya. And ah. he explained to me how, how much I was limiting myself by thinking that and believing that and that there was so much greater potential. And he explained, especially at my age, at that time I was 30, 31. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, you know, it's, you've been, I had been in the restaurant industry for my entire life at that point. And he reiterated to me, you know how physically hard this is. And if you end up yes. owning a place like this, it's going to wear you down very quickly. And mm. it's not a long-term solution because of what it does to you physically. And that's mm. when I started thinking outside the box. And I didn't know what my next steps were at that, mm-hmm. you know, four weeks out from graduation. And so with with nothing else planned uh, I went home one day and told my husband, I'm staying for another two years to take the, the business management course. <laughs> oh. And so I stayed for another two years to study business management and get that degree as well. Ah, and that's it has to be tremendous support for you in helping your clients now. Absolutely, because a lot of people get into the cake decorating, and it's just because they have a knack for it, very much like me, but they Mm -hmm. have no business background, they have no food business background, and they don't understand how to be the owner of a business as opposed Mm -hmm. to an employee within a business, and they are two completely different perspectives, behaviors, and mindsets. So being able to wrap my mind around business and then come back to the idea of cake Mm-hmm. It was just, it was, it was kismet that eventually those two things would collide in my brain and mm-hmm. create this business side training that I now do for my, um, for my, for my customers and my students. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's transformed into other amazing ways for me to 
serve human beings and not just people who want to run cake businesses. Yeah. So that's a big, big, big issue with the entrepreneurial world these days. You have so many people that follow their passion. They find something they love to do, but they don't have, I'm going to say, the legs to stand on their business. They've got the business, the idea, but they don't have the legs to make it, to support it. So um, I, in the world, you know, I just see that repeatedly affecting people that go into entrepreneurship. It's getting that base that you offer. So you, do you just work with people that are in the cake business or do you work with people that are in just entrepreneur working to build businesses? Well, because my audience uh, grew around cake, the vast majority of people I work with currently and coach, um, mm-hmm. they are home-based cake decorators. However, mm-hmm. the incredible thing that's happened through the work that we've done together, either in a group setting for uh, courses or one-on-one, mm-hmm. is they've discovered that for them as well, cake was a gateway. It was an entry point to a larger path, a larger journey. And because mm-hmm. they began to understand so much about themselves as creatives, as budding entrepreneurs, as human beings that are not one-sided, who are multidimensional, yes. they've found other, other pathways that they want to follow. And mm. that's another thing that you have to begin to coach them through is the idea that, no, you're not giving up. No, you weren't a failure because you're deciding to do something else. This is mm-hmm. part of the journey. This is part of the pathway. It's part of the development that happens mm-hmm. when you truly begin to harness the idea of entrepreneurship as opposed mm-hmm. to being an employee in your own business. Yeah. Yeah. Good lesson there. (laughs) I'm just hearing it. You know, I coach women. And so through their transition of divorce and and death, and um, that wasn't exactly where I started out, but I've I've transitioned myself as my journey Mm -hmm. continued me along the road, just as you have done. And it is it is something you don't want to leave something behind. You want to go, oh, I'm changing. Is that right? But more or less follow, as you say, trusting in your inti- intuition or your mm-hmm. passion. Yeah. What do you mean really? when you say trust in the intuition? Because most of us don't don't rely on that intuition. We kind of get unused mm-hmm. to relying on it. That inner voice. Yep. Yeah, so there's there's an inner voice that's in your head that's repeating a lot of society's expectations, even family expectations, friends' expectations, social groups. And so there's, there's that voice in your head. I'm, but when I rely on my intuition, it's something that doesn't have words. And so when you're hearing that voice, that's your, <laughs> I love brain science. Um, and so you're going to get a little <laughs> bit of that right now. Uh, okay, perfect. <laughs> Yes, that's your neocortex. That's your most recent brain. That's, that's uh-huh. your front brain. That's the brain that's logical, that reasons through things, that makes meaning of everything it comes across. And there's, there are two other brains within you. There's the limbic brain, which is the middle brain, and then there's the reptilian brain or the robot brain. It's your most primitive one. It's the fight-or-flight brain. Mm-hmm. The fight-or-flight brain and the limbic brain don't have words. They have emotions and they have reactions. And... Uh, your neocortex, your front brain, is going to try to make sense of those 
and put its own logic from experience in the world over top mm-hmm. of those things. And you have to learn to ignore that at times. When you have a strong visceral reaction, either motivation or aversion to something, that's your intuition telling you something's going on here. And then your, your front brain is going to want to say, okay, let's, let's decide what it is. Sometimes you mm-hmm. can't decide what it is. It's just an instinctual thing. It's like mm-hmm. when babies or dogs don't like a person. You should probably ah. listen to that because they are not coming from a reasoning place. They are coming from an intuition place, from an instinctual place. Um, and now sometimes that, that, that nervousness that you can't tell, is it excitement, is it right, or is this you know, hesitation and fear? Sometimes mm-hmm. that is fear creeping up, but fear is really a big it, – it's the problem with change. Um, our brains are hardwired to not change. It's a survival instinct. But yes. what I coach my students to do to try to learn to listen to that intuition and calm the fear that can be confused in that mm-hmm. anxiety or excitement is to literally mm-hmm. take a moment. And I got this idea from uh, Dr. David Hawkins, uh, and I use it, and it works beautifully, but to mm-hmm. literally say out loud to that reptilian and uh, limbic brain, I don't need to be afraid. There is no danger. I am in no physical harm. Thank you for trying to protect me. I'm going to make a different decision. Actually reasoning mm-hmm. with this part of your brain and allowing your tuition to come forward is one of yeah. the most powerful practices I've learned. And it's wow. unlocked many, many doors for me. Yeah, yeah. But you don't seem to be, just in the conversations that I've had with you since we met, um, you don't seem to be one that gets scared, as scared um, as some people. Is that so wrong? So I'm what's typically <laughs> called a quick start. Um, <laughs> if, if you've ever done the, uh, the cold EA test or, or a discus test, which are really just understanding your personality, your instinctual responses to things, I'm in a very small minority of what's called quick starts. Someone who jumps at an idea, doesn't feel that initial fear, figures out what to do with it later, figures out how to conceive <laughs> those things later. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not a thing inside of me to be hesitant or to be fearful, but I am, mm-hmm. I am in the vast minority, and that's okay. And learning to go with who you are and not force yourself into a different box is yes. really important. I thought there was something wrong with, I, I was told that I was impulsive or yes. uh, reckless in my decision-making, and that's actually not the case. It's quite simply that I'm a quick start because I always figure it out. It's mm-hmm. not reckless. It's, you know, it, it's my own instinct. But learning to work within what your lane is is the best idea for you. Yeah. And that you got that. You, what test is it that you... Um, derive those that name quick start quick start that comes from the colby k-o-l-b-e-a test there's a few different colby tests um but colby a tells you what your instinctual behaviors are in Uh response to life um and what's really beautiful about it the very first thing um ms colby tells you she tells everyone this because you get a little video response at the end is your results are perfect because whereas, oh. and whereas yeah. you may see a lower number on one portion of the scale as opposed to a higher number, that mm-hmm. lower number, you have genius. Like you mentioned, there's a genius zone in there for you. And it's mm-hmm. perfect because that's where you operate at your genius. 
Mm -hmm. don't need to be a higher number because that's not who you are and because there's different traits associated with that. So it was immensely freeing for me as a human being, as a creative Mm. and as an entrepreneur to hear, no, the way you do things is absolutely perfect. Yeah. That was one of the most freeing moments of, of my life. Yeah. I can believe that. Well, so many times we've been said, we have been told, you have to do it this way to be perfect. You have to sit this way. You have to dress this way. You have to marry this way. You have to eat this way. And so, yeah, yeah, to somebody say, you are just as you were supposed to be. You are perfect. Ah, Yeah, I like that. It gives me chills. (laughs) Me too. I like that. I'm going to go take that test. Kobe A <laughs> test. Kobe right? A. It's so illuminating and it's so freeing. And to be honest, it's just one heck of a fun time to hear <laughs> about yourself um, and to hear you probably do this. And it's like, oh, my gosh, yes, I do that. And she gives you freedom to say you shouldn't do these things because this is not in your genius zone. It's like, oh, finally, someone's telling me to not do the dishes. Um, it's not really one of the things on there, but you can extrapolate. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, we do need those tests that they offer. And so many people just freeze up when you say test. But personality tests are really, they can give you such insight. And as you say, such acceptance of who you are to know you're not unusual. You're not weird. You know, you're just Mm -hmm. you being you. Yeah. And yeah. um, Yeah. So at first, I when I first worked, I did some of my testing back when I was first working with a coach, or, and she was doing these testings, and I was like a little put off because I thought, oh, no, she's going to find my secrets that I've hidden all these years. <laughs> and then she won't like me, and then mm-hmm. all of this stuff, and which I think is quite human because we have been um, – put into boxes and we have been told we have to be perfect in all areas. Of course we can't be. So there you go. So what do you find that you, okay, so you know where your genius is, but where do you find and how do you cover your, I'm going to call them your weaker points, but I don't mean weaker in being bad. I mean, they're just not your strengths. Exactly. So, um, yeah. so there's there's ways to mm-hmm. use your not as strength mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> to your advantage. <laughs> so yeah, so a lot of people think that the idea of procrastination, the word procrastination, is a yeah. negative word. And that's one of the things I do, and I beat myself up for a long time for how I just put things off, put things off, put things off. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you really look at what the behavior is and what it is you do to compensate on the other side of that or what your strength that compensates the other side of that is, you realize it is not, in fact, a weakness. You learn to use that in addition to your strength. So when it comes to procrastination, mm-hmm. um, and this is part of what it is to be a quick start as well. Mm-hmm. But part of procrastination is that you can give me a task three months in advance and I'm not going to touch it. Like I don't, I don't prepare. If, if you let me or if you force me to do things um, ahead of time, it's not what I'm going to give you in the end 
anyways because I'm not going to like it. I have a I have a genius in the last minute, and that's not lazy. Mm-hmm. It's not lazy at all. And releasing that that idea, that social uh, construct idea, um, mm-hmm. is great. So that procrastination, I know now. Well, I'm just not going to do it until until I absolutely have to. Because one, it's not going to be what I want to do. Two, I'm going to waste time. Three, I'm going to take myself out of my mental and energy game where I should be doing other things that are going to produce more. Yeah. And it's not that during those procrastination moments that I'm being lazy or ignoring it. There's a lot going on in my head that's considering this, considering that. And that can't be discounted. So whereas a lot of people say, well, that's a weakness because you wait till the last minute and then you just turn in whatever. In fact, that's not what it is. And it's because of the flip side of that assumed weakness. And every weakness, and when I say that, I'm, I'm, I'm doing air quotes around the word weakness. Yeah, um, right. Every weakness mm-hmm. has a flip side. It has a, there's a yin and yang going on. And there's, there's strengths within that weakness. You just have to see it. And that's a mental yeah. shift most people have the hardest time making because we have been put in boxes. We have been told, well, this is the way it should go. This is a median, and you should be right on the median. And, you know, the idea of perfection, of, of doing it right, again, air quotes, um, that's a shame installation from society, from family, from even bosses. And when we can harness um, that idea and free ourselves from it, that's where incredible things happen. So removing the idea of weakness is yeah. a very tough thing to do, but it's a very rewarding thing to do. Right. Um, oh, I had a thought here. Where did the thought go? Um, yes. What? I'm, I, this is it. When? What is your genius time? Because I think we all know, and we all have them. So, can you oh, wow. tell me where your genius time is? So absolutely, and this is this is something that I intentionally paid um, close attention to, uh, mm-hmm. based on one of what one of my coaches advised me is that we all have genius zones for different tasks. I know ah. when I do my best. Uh huh. <laughs> I know when I do my best brain work. My best brain work is from about five thirty a.m. to about ten a.m. And uh-huh. it's even better if I am outside of my home in my office. If I'm in a cafe where there's a lot of things going on that I don't have to pay attention to because they're not mine, quiet, I get easily distracted. In my office, I get distracted. Um, so my brain work, my writing, um, my thinking through a project, um, that I do in the early mornings as much as I can out at a cafe. By 11 o'clock, I'm mentally shot in the morning because I've, I've really put in my time. But coming 11 o'clock, from about 11 till 2.30, 3 o'clock, I can move mountains physically. I can, oh. I can do all the stuff I want to outside. I can go for that walk. I can go play at the playground with my kids. I can do the cleaning that I otherwise don't want to do around mm-hmm. the house. And then yeah. by evening, I want to wind down a little, but I start to get creative. Yeah. Okay, evening. I got it. And so that's my creative spot. Well, I have to stop you here. And, of course, I asked this big question just before break. But we do have to go to a short break. And I'm so interested in knowing your answers. Because 
that's that's awesome to have all that broken down and that's valuable information to have in our toolkit because we know it but we maybe don't know it specifically so we are going to be back shortly we're talking more with Sarah. transformational coach motivational speaker and author joyce buford returns after this short break Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are talking today with Kara Andretta, and she is a cake and sugar art instructor. But much, 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 much more. She has created this whole business, this whole industry. She's been an impact on the industry, and she is changing lives by teaching people how to become entrepreneurs, but successful entrepreneurs because they can build their business and have something really wonderful. So, Kara, I was so fascinated by the genius zones, by having that information. I I have not, I don't know where that information is from, but I do want to uh, research it more. But I am myself, I think we kind of intuitively know that you are much more detail in being able to break your entire day down. But I know if I get up early in the morning, I'm going to knock some of that paperwork out because I'm really fresh. In the evenings, I'm like a wet noodle. I mean, I just kind of don't do anything. And sometimes that's where my my uh, procrastination comes in and I go, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, and that's a problem for entrepreneurs. We think we think if we're taking a moment to ourselves or if we're being human because it's just not our best time to work, we mm-hmm. beat ourselves up a little bit about, well, you could be getting further, couldn't you? You could be doing yes. this and accomplishing that, couldn't you? When we don't have a clock to punch, we, yes. we, we tend to think we're always on the clock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When do you – this is something that I um, – 
because we are so driven in the, in the piles of things to do, doesn't seem to go down very much. It stays about the same, you know, because we're always moving forward. So we're creating new things like launches and other things that we're doing. And so we have lots to do. And so when we sit down just out of, I can't do one more thing today, my brain is gone. And um, how do you, how can you tell that or give yourself some grace? Have you learned any techniques to realize this? To share? Uh, you know, there's, uh, <laughs> there's yes. this idea that I'm still working through myself, full disclosure, I'm still working through oh, yeah. it. Um, but I've, I've used it, and I know a lot of other people have as well. It's called a stop-doing list. And because as entrepreneurs we do tend to have that, you know, that stack of to-dos that seems to never go away, mm-hmm. oftentimes those to-dos shouldn't all be ours. And mm-hmm. it's hard to shut off, and it's hard to mm-hmm. not feel like you have to do when mm-hmm. you haven't offloaded some of those things that are truly not productive tasks. One of my other yeah. mentors, James Wedmore, talks about um, the 5%. There's only 5% of what goes on in your business that you can do that's going to get you 90% of your results, 95% of your results. It's not even oh. the Pareto principle. It's not even the 80-20. He believes in doing the 5%, yeah. only the 5% that are going to really move the needle. And when you only focus on that and you don't have every task under the sun and tasks that are truly meaningless and unimportant, when those are no longer on your to-do list because you've taken inventory and realized this is not a productive thing, this is not actually doing me any good, and you simply eliminate it, all of a sudden mm-hmm. your to-do list starts to get smaller, and you realize how much progress you make every day on that 5%. Mm-hmm. You can start to feel satisfied, mm-hmm. and you can start yeah. to give yourself that grace and permission to say, wow, I really did accomplish a whole lot today. Yes, I, I deserve to sit down in front of my favorite movie on Netflix <laughs> and have a glass of wine or hot cocoa or whatever your evening beverage right. is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, after all, this life that we're living, this this genius life that we're living, because we're living in our true talents and passions, should be fun. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, we forget it should be fun as well yeah, as we, productive. So we weren't meant to just work on Earth. We were we were meant to enjoy life. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So we're really encouraging you out there, you listening audience, that really finding and working in your passion is loving what you do and enjoying your life. And Kara has been able to do that. And I'm amazed that she is homeschooling her children because I know from um, being exposed to homeschoolers at the uh, Children's Museum where I was director that um, – there is a lot of, uh, I just, how do you do that? How do you stay so focused and support your children? I get it. I get it while you want to do it. But I just, um, it's a major, major deal. <laughs> um, it absolutely is. <laughs> and that, uh, I actually, I, my kids started off in public school, um, mm-hmm. but I, you know, as a matter of, uh, again, it was another passion of mine, uh, promoting and helping and advocating for um, better public education. And as I saw things continually go in the wrong direction, um, Mm -hmm. 
it was at the same exact time that I started taking my business seriously that it was kind of like I'm taking my entire life more seriously. I started my business and I pulled my kids out of public school at the same time because it was just time to change. It was time to just be a different being and experience life different on the earth. And I knew at that moment, both of those things were right for me. I saw my business start to go in the right direction. I felt Mm -hmm. empowered and Mm -hmm. I knew I had it in me to Mm -hmm. educate my kids. And I had the training from having gone to school mm-hmm. for to educate. Right. Um, um, so I, it was one of those instinctual, well, I, this is not a fatalistic decision. I can always, <laughs> if it doesn't work out, I can always send them back to public school if that's the best decision for them. You know, got yeah. to swallow my ego. But it was, it was a decision that life had to change um, because I wasn't getting any happier. My family wasn't getting mm-hmm. any happier. And mm-hmm. we weren't getting any results in life. Yeah. Now your boys' is, boys' ages are thir- 13, 11, and 5. I'm sorry, 6. It was just his 6th six. birthday. Oh, we just had a week. birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So how are those three different lesson plans or teaching strategies? Uh, well, techno- so I'm in New York. And New York is the toughest state in the union to homeschool in um, without getting into my love for New York state <laughs> politics. Um, we have more uh, we have more regulations, paperwork we have to turn in as homeschoolers, still some standardized oh. testing um, and yeah. reporting. We have more than anyone, and it has to be formatted a certain way. Um, oh. So, yes, yeah, so technically they each have to have their own called an IHIP individual home instruction plan every year. Uh, covering uh-huh. very specific topics based on grade level. However, when you're talking with one child about, say, Native American history in New York State, because it's a very strong topic here because we're a very Native American-rich area, um, uh-huh. there's ways to talk about it across mm-hmm. all three of them so that they understand. Mm-hmm. So I'm knocking all three out at the same time. Um, I may oh. ask my oldest to give me a little bit more information in return or to do some, some more in-depth research about something just because that's the age he's at. You know, I'm going to, uh, he'll write a report. My six-year-old will not. My six-year-old will make something with cotton balls and, you know, construction <laughs> paper. So, <laughs> so but you can get the whole topic done uh, for everyone at the same time. But think of the advantage that six-year-old has because he's exposed so much earlier. I mean, he should just take off with all wheels running. When he, when he is 13, he will be so much ahead of where his brother was at the age. You see? Absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, they, awesome. the, the younger ones anyways want to be like the older ones and emulate them. So it goes the same with wanting to learn. He wants to learn the same stuff they're learning and understand it, even though he may not cognitively be ready uh-huh. for it. He uh-huh. still gives it a shot, which in and of itself, that action is doing amazing yeah. things for his brain. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, Kara, I, I want you to share with um, my audience your email how and, well, your website, how they can get in touch with you, find you. Because going to your website is, I mean, I was drooling. Because you have all these beautiful <laughs> pictures of cakes and other information on your website. So tell us. It was so such a 
a pleasure to go there. So tell us about how okay. we can find you. So first, I do have to offer a little disclaimer. I am not responsible for anyone needing to buy larger sized pants for having <laughs> hung out on my website and starting to bake ridiculously. Um, so my website is caracouturecakes.com. Um, if you can link that, it's a little bit of a uh, tongue twister and it uh, <laughs> tends to trip people up. <laughs> yes, but I did that really is my good blog. today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is my blog, and that is where I, I have a ton of free resources on baking, home baking, and even teaching you how to do some pretty cool cakes that don't look like cakes, like the gravity-defying stuff, which is really where I specialize. Um, and through there, if you sign up for my Cake Life newsletter, you'll also get lots of really great stuff in your inbox, as well as be able to keep up with all my current offerings, including life coaching, um, at-home cake business ownership, um, deep dive courses into the business, as well as membership to kind of just ease your transition into and have continuous resources for uh, cake business, depending on, you know, your, your preferred learning method. Um, but staying connected with me there is the best way. If you're interested in coaching as a creative, um, you can email imatter at caraandretta.com, and we can talk about what might, what might be a good course of action. Maybe I have some resources. Maybe it's me you want and need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. Now, do you um, do you teach all your courses? Yes, I do have some additional mentors that come in and guest mentor um, mm-hmm. with me because they have they have their own special area of genius. Um, yeah. And so I am not a genius at everything, and I'm totally cool oh, with telling you that. On. However, I'm really good <laughs> at being the Ryan Seacrest of the cake community. And yes, I have a lot to offer you myself from my knowledge, experience, uh, and expertise. However, I'm really good at finding other awesome talents to put in front of you and for you to enjoy and benefit from. (laughs) Well, I love that. I mean, it it confirms the fact that, yes, you do have your genius, but you also have those other gifted people around you in your community because you refer refer to this as one of the really things that you need to do in growing is having those other people being in the right community, having the resources for your own personal growth. So I love that Absolutely. you exhibit that with your coaching because that's really uh, awesome. We, I, I'm one of the few uh, in my community who's trying to change things in our industry with the idea of community over competition. Um, I don't believe that anyone else's success takes away from mine. I believe yeah. that we're all more successful. As a rising tide rises, all boats rise. And yeah. that, is a, that is one of the keystone beliefs of my business and of what I teach my students. And so bringing other people in only enriches all of us more. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I I agree with you on that, Kara. I really do. There's so many people out there, and and we can't all be the best at everything. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that you do that. Um, Can we talk just briefly about the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people? How important oh, yeah. that is. Um, 
so this is this is another thing I that's like one of those core beliefs of my business. And in fact, just this morning, I was talking to my husband, uh, who had gone out last night after work to uh, just hang out with a couple of his buddies uh, from work. And one of the guys was venting, as he typically does. And I had this discussion again with my husband. It's the same discussion I coach other people on. It doesn't matter how immune you think you are to other people's typical behaviors, moods, the things they talk about, especially when it's complaining or negative or, mm. you know, fatalistic. Then by fatalistic, I don't mean death, but like nothing's going to get better. Misery loves company. It doesn't matter how immune you think you are to it, mm-hmm. simply being around that changes right. your energy and it changes your neurons. It changes your neural pathways. You can't mm. avoid it simply by mm. default. You're human. It's how the human brain works. You are not invincible. So surrounding yourself by people who are going where you want to go, surrounding yourself by people who are where you want to get to and mm-hmm. focusing on growth and positivity and lifting yourself and others up, you're going to get farther, faster, and mm-hmm. you're, it's going to be more sustainable. The mm-hmm. wrong people, the wrong groups, even on social media, I've eliminated because a lot of my business is on social media. That's how I connect with the vast majority of my of my yeah. community. Um, yes. I've removed all news sites from my social media. I remove anyone who's posting negatively or antagonistically. I, mm-hmm. I, I, if, they're, if they're friends, I try to just unfollow them. But chances mm-hmm. are it's who they are at their core, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, that's not even a judgment against them because there's reasons that that's where they've gotten to in life. But that doesn't mean that I have to take it on or be around it. Right. And that's not an easy decision to make. However, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. things you become know, incredible I, when you do that. When it, I had a, a situation one time. I was in a new group, and we were breaking down, and we were talking just informally in the group, but in the circle. And those we were talk, somehow we were talking about politics, and it was during the election. I don't even pay any attention. I stop all friends that talk about politics. But for some reason, they were talking about it, and I made some comment about uh, the politics and what it, what since uh, how it was going, and they they quickly the group, which is was a very positive group, quickly brought my attention to the fact that we don't talk about politics, and it was so. I just kind of stepped back because we don't realize what we say many times. And we do need people that can kind of check us on it. <laughs> I was that was such a learning experience for me. I don't talk yeah. politics, but I had interjected a comment about politics, which was totally off the wall, and um, and so it was kind of interesting. But we need the we need the positive people around us so that they can help Absolutely. check us when we Absolutely. tend to drop you know, into that's it. Also- yeah, that's also in the communities that you grow. My communities know that, um, you know, for each of my courses um, and for my membership site, we have specific forums that are only the people who are a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And even even on even on my blog or on my open social media pages, it's just become kind of self-policed <laughs> by <laughs> the people who frequent it that they know we don't talk this way, we don't behave this way. This isn't one of Kara's values. Um, and it's just not accepted to complain, to bash someone else, to focus on problems as opposed to solutions. And when you set that standard 
the people around you will begin to adapt and adopt that, especially if they're the right people. And then it just becomes the way it is. And it becomes a self uh, perpetuating good positive behavior amongst all the members. And when it's a safe place, where people truly do, like genuinely, want to see everyone else flourish, Mm -hmm. you can take that criticism, you can take that correction, you're willing to give that loving correction to Mm -hmm. maintain the group and the person that may end up being ostracized or outed, um, Mm -hmm. booted, you know, for for violating that that social construct. Yeah, yeah. Well, those are difficult. When somebody moves into a group leaves their negative group and moves into a new group. It takes courage. It, it, you know, you, you, sometimes those are friends you've had all your life and they've grown up with more difficulties or turned a little sour. And it takes courage to make that decision for yourself that you do want to see your life, your environment change for the better. So, uh, I want to give those people out there that make that decision today that start thinking about how important it is that they realize it does take courage on their part to make that decision. It does. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the the key ideas within that that we discount, uh, I should say one of the key difficulties we have first is I feel bad leaving this person. How awful am I? How awful <laughs> am I for moving away from this person? The fact is, if this person is pouring negatively into you and holding you back in any small way, you are then unable to go out and pour positively into the world in the best way that you can and positively impact more people than just Mm -hmm. one person who's choosing to remain stuck. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that that's the end of everything with this person, but maybe it's time for for a break. But Mm -hmm. if you do that and you're better able to impact more people in the world positively, isn't yeah. that worth it? Isn't that mm-hmm. really what you're called to do? Yeah. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Now tell us what's new, what's on the horizon for you, Kara, because I know you're not just sitting still. You have no. big plans. <laughs> no, I am not just sitting still. I have a lot of things on the go. Um, multiple business ventures within Cake, including um, reopening the enrollment for a short period of time again for my Cake Life Academy, which is a membership mm. site. It's a slower, uh, continual learning site as opposed to quick, fast action, do it now, uh, delivered courses. Um, but I'm also opening a more formal coaching practice, uh, with group, uh, and individual coaching, um, small group and individual coaching, um, as opposed to just one-on-one clients, um, that I work with. So I'm kind of transforming my business a little bit. A lot of the people are cakers, uh, not all of them, which is a little refreshing for me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but it's not about cake. And that's it's a fabulous challenge, a fabulous refresher, and uh, a wonderful new turn on my path of service to people that started with just wanting to decorate cool cakes. <laughs> I know. I know. I love it. I love it. So you'll be doing workshops all over the world, won't you? Well, I do cake workshops all over the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the coaching, um, that, that's kind of up in the air at this point. I have been asked to come do some keynotes based on passion and service. 
and Good. living an authentic life, uh, uh-huh. which I will be doing, and that is kind of a global thing. Um, yes. But as for coaching, uh, small group coaching, my community is global. There are people from, you know, as far as Myanmar and Australia, New Zealand and Argentina and from right here in my own backyard. So, you know, I guess that is, I guess that is global workshops to be completely honest. Um, yeah. We just all meet in a virtual space and it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm wondering how, how taking changes from those different world, different countries so far away. I mean, food certainly changes from different regions to another region. So that just popped in my head. I'm wondering how that works, Kara. Um, it's actually, it, it's so much fun. There's three main taking regions um, in the world, and that would be Australia, the U.K., oh. and the United uh-huh. States slash Canada, uh, North America. Um, uh-huh. And the, the way it tends to happen uh, trend-wise, um, is that the UK tends to be a little bit more classical with really mm-hmm. kind of a lot of old school type methods. Um, yeah. At least they're the ones who, who kind of specialize in that. Not everyone, but most. Australia tends to be more on the cutting edge of, of trend setting, and the United States tends to follow a little bit farther behind, but mm-hmm. cake decorating is becoming a bigger thing here. So what mm-hmm. happens in Australia now will probably hit us in a few years. They started this... Uh, this design and it was, it's a sharp edge at the top corner of cake tiers as opposed to a slightly sloped edge with the fondant, the rolled icing. Um, ah. And it became a huge hit. They've been doing it for a couple of years. It became a huge hit in the United States years later. And now all of a sudden we're all doing the sharp edge technique, but Australia is mm-hmm. like, really? That's so retro to us. <laughs> That's but it so is, interesting. It, 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 especially being in the South, you, you might see, because the southern region of the United States still tends towards buttercream cakes, um, by and large. And there's different regional flavors and styles of buttercream wanted in the South versus in the North versus in the Pacific Northwest. It's pretty interesting because it's not the same everywhere. It's very regional. Hmm. That's interesting. I I of course have no idea what you just said about sharp edges and everything I know <laughs> not making cakes <laughs> but uh, but anyway it is interesting that um, but uh, that we have those three areas um, that really I would have never thought Australia it's so interesting oh, yeah. Um, oh yeah they're all about cake they're they're incredible people down there <laughs> I love our Aussie, our Aussie contingents in the cake world. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, but they they just have so few metroplex areas in Australia. So I mean, they, they do. They're not, they're not making yeah. them in the outback. I can tell you. That. No, they're not. <laughs> and um, Perth, being all the way off on the west coast, has a hard time getting like instructors and doing cake shows because it's not easy to hop. Because Australia is huge; it's like hopping from Los Angeles, uh, doing one class there, then traveling across, you know, yeah, yeah, wild land to get to, you know, Atlanta, Virginia, DC, um, you know, those kinds of things, you know, off on the east side. So, right. So, have you gone there to speak, or have you visited? Australia through your business? I haven't yet. Um, it's got to be coming. Reason being, it's, <laughs> I, the travel 
It's crazy. And to make it profitable because my business is, is my business. Yeah. It's not just my passion. I have to treat it like a business. It yeah. has to be a profitable endeavor. So it would have to be a longer term visit than what I would typically make time to go somewhere in the United States for. Right. Um, and it would have to be profitable. And because it's so oh, far away, I need yeah. an event planner. Um, I've had those opportunities. Time just hasn't yeah. uh, lined up for when they're doing yeah. things. Um, also, they have gigantic spiders down there, so I'm mildly <laughs> hesitant. Um, well, I am really enthusiastic yeah. about kangaroos, but I don't know about the spiders. I'm worried. <laughs> oh, Kara, this has been such a fun hour for us. You have just shared with so much good information, so much good growth information. I just hate to call this show to the end, but we are approaching the end. So well, this was wonderful and fun for me too, Joyce. I really enjoy um, helping to unlock small things that turn into big opportunities for uh, other for other women. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate your time and that you shared so much with us today. So for my listeners out there. I hope that this week, because we have come down to the wire, I hope your week is full of joy and happiness. That you'll think about those things, you'll re-listen to this show, because there was so much good information that Kara shared with you. I appreciate that you're with us today, and I just wish you the best till we talk next week. Thank you for being here. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at 